other residents. So, you know, as things have kind of uh, gone from, from, from here, then we've started slowly releasing them. But uh, a lot of our long-term care people, they really don't have anywhere else to go. So they're pretty much, we, we do full total care for them. So but no one like that has been leaving. George, when I talked to you yesterday and you were, I said, when I talked to Jess, I was unsure of the state of your uh, equipment. She had asked me for masks and uh, gowns and goggles. And you told me that you have resorted to creating your own out of cloth. We have some community members that are kicking in right now. I have 148 masks that are made out of cloth sitting in my office at the moment. Um, we are running out of, we'll be out of masks today. The, the official mask that we get from, um, you know, McKessa, et cetera. The N95s will be gone and the ones that, oh, you can't see me. I know. I don't, yes. I don't know what they're yeah. called, but there's yeah. a little blue. The little thin blue gauze mask, yeah. They're, they'll they're going to be gone. They'll all be gone today. So we'll be having to cast these um, other masks out. Now, I keep getting, you know, good signs that PPE equipment is showing up and showing up. And every time I call the health department of Washington, you know, we're always on the top of the list, but nothing ever comes. And I'm not blaming anybody. It's just very complicated. Um, McKesson is backed up for months on requests. Um, we have a very good rep there. He's doing anything he can, but there's nothing he can do. So I've got to put something over people's faces and that's what we're doing at the moment. Okay. Let me uh, let me give some structure to this call, as unstructured as it is. Um, for those of you just joining, um, the idea of having this call was something that I dreamt up on Sunday, and um, I just it's been all moving too fast for me to give it the, the proper structure. But um, my goal is to uh, collect uh, the folks uh, in our industry who are in a position to potentially be part of the solution, uh, to educate those who may not have a direct impact, uh, but may learn something and have someone in their network that they can uh, put in touch with us. The primary um, issues I'm aware of, and I invite the panel to tell me about others, Daniel, I'm sure, um, Celine and, and Mark, I'm sure you have others that you're aware of. Um, I believe that the biggest uh, problems right now are a lack of ventilators and a lack of personal protective equipment for folks like Jess on the front line who it has to be scary to walk into work every day. Um, let me start with Scott because when Jess called, the first person I called was Scott. Scott, tell the kind folks at home what you do and why I phoned you. So uh, we're in the medical device supply chain. We're supplying a lot of um, fluid management components, um, syringes, applicators, um, and, and key components, device manufacturers. Um, personal protective equipment was not a big category for us. In fact, uh, we before this all happened, we were selling some of that stuff to the, we have another business for cosmetics, um, so salon supplies, things like that. Um, so we, basically when Joe called me, we didn't have any of that when this whole situation arose, we have a partner in China and they were having a shortage of masks. This was uh, early February. We immediately sent whatever we had over there. So, um, and we were cleaned out rather rapidly. And of course we can't get supplies now. So that's why, oh, um, oh because we're sort of in, in the same business, but uh, unlike a McKesson, that's not really a main focus of ours. Okay. Um, let me let me start by saying that you know I hope everyone is following the CDC guidelines, and and that we get over this crisis soon. You know I personally know of people uh, that are in hospital and on respirators, uh, so I wish everyone affected um, speedy recovery. In addition to all the people, especially in New York, that are now jobless because the service industry has shut down. I mean this is really a crisis of your proportions. I'll put um, a point about PPE. Um, I have received a number of unsolicited uh, emails and LinkedIn messages and the like from people that I have never heard of saying, I have masks and I can sell you 5,000 of them. And um, 
you know, I'm thinking on one hand, the very human connection I have to this, my friend Jessica going to work every day without proper equipment. I'm thinking, oh, let me get anything to her. Then the very next email comes in with the same. And I'm in a position where I don't know who to trust. Um, and I suspect that this is not unique to me. I've had a number of people. So uh, Celine and Mark uh, are talking with us today because they are uh, working on a task force about ventilators. And Daniel, frankly, is part of, of this conversation because he's the smartest guy I know. And he is extremely connected. Well, I don't know a lot of people, Daniel. Um, but let me let me give you the camera and um, tell us a bit what you guys are doing at Singularity University. I'm sure you're aware of a number of uh, initiatives that the people on the call may be unaware of and need to be aware of. So, Daniel, if you would. Uh, thanks, Joe. Um, so I chair Medicine at Singularity University, which isn't doing anything exactly focused on this, except we did a three-day summit last week with a lot of information you can find through the Singularity U Summit uh, online. But I would just state that, you know, we're obviously in a crisis. It's a time to be collaborating and leveraging platforms like Joe that you built to find rapid solutions. And so uh, there are already a, a large number of initiatives trying to work on PPE. Um, one that just launched through a physical friend of mine uh, and others at a Megan Ranney is called uh, GetMePPE.org, which is a place to both uh, supply PPE if you have it or request it. So I'd suggest anyone on the call or no folks who are looking for it, this is a kind of a clearinghouse, including for makers and 3D printers and others to help collaborate to build it. So um, one suggestion for Joe and the folks here is that you create a bit of a, uh, a dashboard or a place where people can start to quickly collaborate. On that front, uh, there's several things coming together. I'm helping lead up a new XPRIZE uh, collaborative uh, pandemic alliance. If you go to uh, covid19.xprize.org, you can start to sign up uh, to join that. Bottom line, it's a time for getting a lot of solutions together quickly. There already a ton of initiatives in the maker community to make parts for uh, ventilators, printing masks, etc. So it's not about reinventing the wheel, it's catalyzing what's already there. Um, Daniel, thank you for and, uh, reminding me about the Get PPE. I just shared it in as a link for the entire audience, so you can click on that and see. And I'll try to drum so up. One, yeah, one takeaway, maybe one takeaway from this call and be honest, you can build your own sort of dashboard leveraging through the community of, of resources like that to help quickly connect the dots. Um, um, I would say otherwise, you know, a lot of it now is also about beyond sort of devices, but data. Um, we can all start to sort of crowdsource our own uh, and our, our community's information. There is a little bit checker and uh, URLs in a second. We can start to share your condition, uh, whether you do well or you're diagnosed or you have symptoms uh, and start to build those maps around us that provide situational awareness to each of us individually and to to others uh, in the public health arena. And then there are a lot of major industry players coming together. I think on the call is my colleague, uh, Aether Bender, the CEO of Unique, UNYQ.com. They're a 3D printing uh, facility out of uh, Spain. They're retooling to leverage 3D printing to any sort of need. And they're, they're top notch and they make a lot of things in the medical device space already. So one, again, suggest everybody here is to get together and share your resources through this platform and through others. I'll stop there. I just added Ethor as a panelist. Uh, Ethor, if you want to join uh, by voice or video, you're welcome to do that. Uh, I met Ethor years ago at your then Future Med, now Exponential Medicine, uh, and was extremely uh, impressed with the work that he was doing with, was it Exoskeleton? Was that, what was the name of the company? Originally, Aether was helping build exoskeletons. Maybe Aether, maybe take uh, 30 seconds and share what the capabilities are of Unique and what you guys could offer to anybody here on the call and beyond. It may take a moment. Yes, hi. Uh, can, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Yes. Yeah, excellent. Hi, uh, this is Aether here. Uh, thank you for, for, for organizing this. Uh, yeah, so what we uh, we do, yeah, used to make exoskeletons before, but we do uh, 3D printing here of uh, medical devices, primarily uh, prosthetics and orthotics. So everything from uh, prosthetic legs uh, over to spinal braces. So we have those capabilities. Uh, it's all 3D printed. We are here in the epicenter of uh, this terrible crisis uh, right now, uh, where we. Uh, uh, in Sevilla, in southern Spain, and 
And so with capabilities to 3D print, uh, uh, whatever is needed. And, uh, and we are just putting out the word here right now. And, uh, and uh, it's good to see that there are companies that have great capabilities also here in the region, like in Barcelona. HP has the main 3D printing division uh, here close by. And they have been really uh, good at providing uh, open source uh, designs uh, to companies, to uh, everything from door handles um, to help um, to, to open up doors or to uh, uh, all the more complicated devices. And, um, and so there is a big awakening here, uh, I can see. And, um, and we are just here uh, standing ready uh, to help uh, it's needed as well with our capabilities. Joe, oh, I think you're muted. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, yeah, I did that because I was trying to open things and be less disruptive, in turn, being more disruptive. Um, I apologize for the, I first thank you, Athor, and second, I again apologize for the somewhat slapdash nature of this call, but so is the pandemic, so you'll give me a degree of freedom here. I want to turn to Celine and Mark, who've been patient. Um, again, this is not a fluid transition, but please tell us uh, your ventilator initiative. Yeah, thank you very much, Joe. I really appreciate it. Um, so, um, uh, I, I, as Celine, uh, Andrew, uh, who I, I think is is uh, listening in as well, and I are representing a, a task force of uh, engineers, doctors, consultants who uh, came together to just see what we could do to help with the crisis. There's uh, shortages of lots of things, um, PPE, expertise. Um, but uh, ventilators is one thing that keeps popping up as, as sort of a, a critical, critical item um, because um, it's, it's the functional unit uh, of the ICU. It's basically the, the thing that, um, you know, keeps people alive when they can't breathe for themselves. And we've seen this just in incredibly impressive um, um, uh, outpouring of interest um, from the from every community um, to try to alleviate this problem, uh, when Will Bachman at Umbrex um, and um, and the collection of, of engineers and consultants that came together to try to solve this problem started thinking through some of these challenges, uh, we decided to focus on the issue of, of vent ventilator and ventilator management. Um, I'm happy that by the way I'm happy to talk through this. We also have some slides uh, um, as consultants do <laughs> but uh, uh, maybe we can also keep this uh, uh, high level um, but uh, just to set the table a bit Mark, uh, when we started possible help you tell your story I'll make you a slide presenter but if we can keep it anecdotal that's fine too up to you um, well why don't we kick it over to the slides I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, um, uh, uh, brief Okay. Um, but yeah, if you if you make me the presenter, I I'll show some stuff. All right, perfect. Can you guys see that? Okay. Not uh, just yet, but soon, I'm sure. Uh, let's see. Okay, well, let's go with technical difficulties and help while you try to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, uh, one second. Okay, all right, let's try this. Yeah. And if this doesn't work, then we will just talk through it. Can you guys see my slides? No? I'm guessing no. Okay. Uh, change Okay. 
I'll go. I'll just go ahead and talk through this one. Yeah. So, um, uh, unless Joe, you can show them, I, or Celine. Celine, maybe uh, if you can pull up the the master, that might be one way to do it. And I'll I'll just start talking through the. I'll just start talking through the the ventilator stuff. So, um, one of the things that um, there, there's several ways to solve this problem, right? Um, so we've seen uh, the maker community come together, uh, literally dozens of different efforts to find ways to uh, solve the issues around, say, um, uh, uh, ventilators by um, augmenting um, by, uh, BiPAP machines, CPAP machines, um, by creating uh, devices that do uh, bag valve masking for you, that is, uh, you've probably seen on, on television, like uh, when a patient's really sick and is intubated, you have someone with a big bag and they're sort of um, breathing for the patient manually. Um, and uh, the maker community is kind of coming together to try to create solutions that allow you to do that. But uh, one of the things that we felt after exploring this for a while is that uh, one thing that, we, uh, that a lot of physicians on the front line uh, will start to have to think through is um, how to use the resources that are at their disposal right now uh, to solve this problem. And what do they have right now? Well, they have ventilators um, and um, uh, they don't quite yet have all these, um, these other kinds of solutions yet. So uh, we started looking at the feasibility uh, with several experts of uh, ventilating more than one patient at a time uh, with a single ventilator. And this was a concept that emerged um, from the emergency medicine community in uh, traumatic situations where uh, you say had a surge of, of patients that came all at once because of maybe a mass shooting. For example, um, this, uh, this was used clinically uh, for a short period uh, during the Las Vegas shooting. Um, there was also proof of uh, concept uh, studies with um, with um, uh, with animals um, and it seemed to work. Now uh, we should say that this is an incredibly risky uh, um, thing to try to do, um, but in an urgent scenario where you really don't have any other choice, and as Cuomo said, um, not having a ventilator means letting someone not not breathe and essentially die. Um, then physicians may be placed in this position. Um, so there's been several efforts uh, to kind of explore this. Uh, and uh, so we've started to discuss with um, um, uh, manufacturers, with physicians, uh, ways that this might be done um, uh, in sort of a scaled way. Thank you, uh, Celine. I'm just seeing a blank screen, so I'm going to fill the uh, the slides here. Uh, I think I am anyhow. Oops, <laughs> but not that button which said "End Webinar Fall." Uh, cancel. Backs away from computer slowly. Um, Celine, do you have anything to add there? I'll be honest. I was multitasking and I didn't absorb what we on the phone can do to further your ventilator initiative. I have one folk, uh, one uh, fella here who's just asking me, um, I have to find it now, about the number of people who are saying, um, I want to help with here. Many different companies have volunteered to retool to make ventilators. Does this present a quality and reliability issue, Mark Armstrong? Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll try to grab that one. Um, that is the concern. So on the clinical side, you have a lot of inventive uh, respiratory therapists, intensivists, ED docs, who um, may be pushed to this, uh, into this position. Uh, in anticipation of that, some protocols are starting to emerge on the web, and we're, we're working on putting one together ourselves. Uh, we'll be launching a website shortly with a PR push. We're actually looking to do that by the end of the uh, week. But one significant gap that we have is uh, the um, sort of the is is the um, device community. So um, setting these machines up in such a way as a, uh, so that they're safe, reliable, and can be used 
for extended periods in this way. Um, that's one thing that um, we really need the medical device community to start giving us um, some signals on. Uh, that would be uh, access to the engineers who have built these machines um, and um, thought partnership and how to how to set up the, the ventilators in such a way as to make sure that they're safe. Uh, while the clinicians are willing to take on the risk, at least in some locations, we're already seeing that this is happening. Um, um, I think uh, providing our frontline providers with the kind of coverage that they need, knowing that the devices won't fail, or what's the safest way to provide this, knowing it's not ideal situation, that's what we need. Uh, to do that, we need access to the engineers. Correct uh, this part of the conversation just a little. I think what will be most productive at this point uh, is for each of the panelists to go to the chat box and contribute any and all links uh, that you've referred to on this call, uh, ways to join things. I, I shared the Get PPE one. Daniel, you mentioned the XPRIZE, the summit. Uh, Mark, your initiative. Scott, if you are aware of any uh, things to uh, contribute. So that'll be important. Um, I've had uh, folks tell me, hey, all I need now is money and I can be on you know, start producing right away. I had one fellow reach out to me last week saying that um, he's aligned everything and all he needs now is a manufacturer of ventilators to give him permission to manufacture his ventilators. So to make that connection, he doesn't have, we, the world, doesn't have time to, in large part, make new ventilators, get it approved, get you know all of the things that have to happen. But if there is a ventilator company out there who's willing to give over the design history file and things that are over my head that go into actually making things, there are contract manufacturers out there with capacity, eager to help. And I don't have a dashboard right now. Perhaps, Mark, that's something you're working on that can get the people that have the know-how and can. So among, first, again, I want to thank the people who signed up today. There was a field uh, that I asked, if you have resources or expertise that might prove helpful, please indicate here. Uh, half of you did so. It's more than I can get right through. One that jumps to me here is Bob Hankins, uh, has 18 years in ventilator design and development. So I can put you in touch with him and indeed, I can make this list available to folks. Uh, Kent has a full service product development firm with significant medical device development experience. Uh, Michael has access to 300 people, engineering services company with extensive medical and pharma industry experience. Jennifer has masks, PPE, and a link which I will now share, and COVID testing things. I will share that as well and Robert Benkowski, Medical Device Development and Manufacturing of Medical and Electronics in 1,100 square foot facility. Um, so after this call, and I encourage people, I will, uh, I know it's gonna crush me, but I'm putting my uh, email address in here, and at the moment that's the most efficient way that I know to get all of, I'm not, Finding the chat box says Connie. Okay, I'll have to take a picture of where that might be for you all. Um, but there are controls, most likely on the right-hand side of your computer. And if you click around the top, the files or menu, there's going to be questions, uh, which is chat for you. Uh, so where you can write a question is where this information will appear. Um, let me stop babbling for a moment, Daniel. Anything that you want to add here? Just kind of help me synthesize. Bottom line is there's a ton of people very interested to help. Some of them have skills, money, technology, printers. Mark's initiative is amazing. You've got this incredible platform here. I would encourage you to build a page or a link or place to take the resources that might be listed in this from Get PPE to Mark's initiative, the XPRIZE, and uh, have a home for that to live. And uh, even allow a form for people to, to add what they have and what they're, they're, they're looking for. I'll send a link here also to our exponential medicine sort of bulletin board. A lot of people are, are, are cross-fertilizing now. And so now it's about kind of putting teams together rather than having fragments of solutions. I agree. Celine. 
Thank you. Um, I would like to add something. One of the initiatives we're also working on, Mark and I, uh, as well as Andrew, are uh, is basically supporting a PPE clearinghouse. So today when we heard Jess talk and um, you, Joe, talk about the need for PPE and how we've got uh, kind of disparate requests coming in from all over the place, as well as disparate offers to supply, one of the things that's missing is a central clearinghouse that can aggregate all of these requests and aggregate all of the supply and make sure that the people who need it most are getting it. So there's some kind of informational gap that's happening. And so there's a site called projectn95.com. If all of you will write that down and go visit it after this webinar is over, it's basically consolidating requests from hospitals, um, senior facilities, anybody in need and then aggregating um, offers of supply, whether they be existing manufacturers who are trying to scale up to meet demand, whether it's adjacent manufacturers who happen to now have capacity and access to supply chains who can then manufacture, you know, switch their lines over and start manufacturing PPE. What was that URL? I'm typing it in for the folks. Thank you. It's projectn95.com. Okay, no hyphens or anything? No hyphens or anything, and they don't just work on um, N95s, it's all PPE. So it's uh, all manner of masks, uh, other protective equipment like gowns, gloves, booties, um, uh, anything that can be used for PPE can be cleared through this clearinghouse website. And right now, I think as of yet, they started on, they launched on Friday and they've had immense traction. They now have like at, over a thousand hospitals have put in requests. Well, 1.6 now. Yesterday was 1.1. 1.6 um, uh, K institutions have put in requests, and they have a consolidated need for close to 70 million pieces of PPE. So, if you are a if you are a supplier, potential supplier, know of somebody who's trying to donate masks, have them come to this site and enter um, how much they are able to supply, and by when, and for how much, and this site will do the job of matching you with institutions that have um, that have requested PPE. So that's that's their current state. One of the things we would also like to do in the long term is help them come up with a dashboard that actually says that shows you across the United States, here's where the pockets of demand are. Here is where there is unmet need. And then ideally in the future to be able to project here is where we think the need for PPE might be so that manufacturers can predict how much to manufacture. Um, so separately, let me go back a little bit. One of the other needs as we support Project N95 is they are looking for people to aggregate demand. Right now, what we have is individual pockets and individual institutions trying to buy PPE. That's not efficient. They're looking for government agencies or, lar or people with like large warehouses and funding to consolidate purchase requests and purchase orders into large bundles and then have and then distribute to the local institutions in need. So if you have that capability or know of someone with that capability, please visit the site or point them to the site. Okay. Uh, once again, I'm, I'm going to ask Mark and Celine and Daniel especially, I'm getting flooded with requests to please put the links to the sites that you've mentioned in the chat box to the entire audience. In particular, multiple requests for the XPRIZE, the summit, and the initiative that you uh, you guys mentioned, Celine and Mark. Um, mm -hmm. I, will, um, I will start to just read some of, uh, some of the comments here. Uh, Marissa Marsala, my friend, says that she saw that Mick at ResMed has an initiative underway. Um, Marissa, you're welcome to type more about that or send a link to that. Uh, Jennifer Anderson, I saw you on the, the list and you wrote, you can do orders of 100,000 to 100 million units. I'm going to see if I can from here uh, have you talk with us. One of the, again, one of the things that's so, uh, yes, of course, Mark, I will send the links to all attendees afterward. Um, chat box only shows the questions you ask, it says Jan. I'm not sure why. Can can you guys see uh, the the links that we have shared? I'll just take a couple of yeses or nos. 
Yes, 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 yes. Got it. Yes, good. Thank you. Caitlin is pointing out that the N95 site is hoarding all the data and not actually showing the demand or supply. I'm not sure what to do with that, but I am thinking, too, about Daniel's invitation for me to figure out a dashboard. And while I'm happy to do it, I'm thinking that isn't that essentially what the N95 site is doing right now? And I'll get to you in a second, Celine. Yeah. So not just for N95, I'd say for the entire community, for different resources, you can organize that dashboard in different ways. Some of it's related to PPE, some may be related to ventilator parts, et cetera. So everyone on the phone, if you've ever created a dashboard like this that we can fast adapt, that'll be a lot better than me trying to start it from scratch. Celine? So one of the things, Project N95 right now is matching actual demand and supply, and they're doing it behind the scenes because they're they're basically staffed by volunteers. So one of the things we would like to do as a next step for them is provide them with the tech capability, maybe from Silicon Valley, to create those dashboards and expose the data in a searchable format so that people at the local, city, state, and even federal level can see patterns of demand, supply, and mismatch around the country. But that's the next step. I think they started out with minimum viable product first, and then they're going to add features later on. Scott, I have a request for your contact info. If you want to put your LinkedIn profile, and you're all welcome to do this, or your emails, whatever you're willing to share in the box. And Jess and George, come off mute for a moment. And we're showing these get PPE and these places to send in your requests. I have to think, if I were in your shoes, I'd be like, okay, I'll send it in, but I need these now, and I don't know how this works and what's going to happen. Your thoughts being on the front line? George, do you have any thoughts on these websites or anything like that? You know, it's just one of those things that we're going to have to give it a try because, I mean, I looked at the screen here, which is Jessica's phone, and you've got like 1.x million requests on there. And it's like, I just tell myself that Washington in particular, and of course New York is worse now, is just getting lost in the woodwork right now. And, you know, I'm doing my best. Like, I have a Chinese connection in Los Angeles, which we actually sent us 1,500 masks yesterday. And how I got that connection is through my other half, who's Chinese, and she, her sister is a doctor in China, and she made a phone call, and I've got masks coming. But that's, she says the demand is so outrageously high that this would probably be the last time we get anything. Um, so the websites you're putting on there are certainly ones that we're going to give a, a try. I mean, we have to. Can I add, Joe, uh, that um, there may have been widespread buying of masks by anxious citizens. So if you know anyone that is hoarding masks, um, it would be a nice time to donate it to uh, healthcare uh, facilities or any of these organizations. Agreed. David Snyder writes, everyone needs to watch out for counterfeit or substandard PPE scams. We're all at risk. I mean, yeah. I think, too, uh, that uh, it's important uh, for me personally, obviously, that, I mean, I know that there's a lot of always, like, focus put on hospitals, right, and they are, you know, very important and have a very high need during this time, but also the long-term care facilities, I mean, this is something that we've never, ever seen before. We're adapting as well as we possibly can and protecting ourselves and our, you know, elderly and immunocompromised as well as we can, but with already having exposure in the in the building, um, you know our best our best thing we're focusing right on right now is preventing further spread and protecting those who are currently you know negative and asymptomatic. So that's where you know, our need for PPE is really strong. Now George is telling me that you guys are making your own out of cloth. Part of me is thinking, um, wonder yeah, if you're substandard. Pardon me. Sorry, yeah, we're, we're just now starting to receive donations of those, and, uh, you know, as we are transitioning to maybe thinking we won't be able to get supplies, and that would be our best next mm-hmm. option. But obviously, we're going to try all outlets, you know, first. Let me thing really quick. Um, um, just quick, quick uh, kind of timely thing. I just got a text message from 
uh, class of mine made a mind from uh, from med school who as a vice chair of emergency medicine at Columbia. I'm in New York right now, and uh, they're officially out of uh, ECMO, uh, which is like the most extreme, um, so like you're a heart-lung machine, um, and, and uh, they're, they've got no more. And that's um, like a preeminent center here in, in New York. It's a leading indicator of, I think, um, the device uh, shortage that's to come. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to implore everyone, anyone who has uh, access to the engineering staff at any Medtronic, uh, Draker, Philips, um, BiPAP manufacturers, CPAP manufacturers, um, this is going to get bad real quick. Uh, and so we need to give um, our frontline providers like a, like nice, concise directives about how to um, how to utilize these resources safely. Um, and probably with multiple patients because they're going to do it. They're going to, unfortunately, be it, it's it's clear they're going to have to do some of this. Mark, I believe that those machines, the ECMO machines, are the ones that oxygenate the blood. Is that right? That's right. That that's the one that that's essentially uh, doing the the work of the heart and the lungs for you, um, uh, more or less. Um, it's it's a step beyond the ventilator. Um, um, so that's what I mean. It's kind of a leading indicator. There's very few of those ECMO machines. Uh, those are going to run out. Then the vents are going to run out. Um, uh, we'll run out. Yeah. So, so this is, I, I'd say, uh, based on our current projections, uh, we're looking at uh, critical um, uh, supply failure in a, about 10 days here. Um, Joe, one of the that we've uh, asked our customers to do is self-identify if they are uh, manufacturing any equipment like this uh, to let us know we've um, changed our system to track that so we can prioritize supply of the important components need, needed to build those machines. I just put on the screen. Thank you, everyone. I'm really multitasking with lots of comments at the same time. Uh, Marissa, thank you for sharing this link. Um, it is uh, my friend Mick's uh, conversation on LinkedIn. He's the CEO of ResMed. I haven't had a chance to read it, but I have put the link uh, for everyone to take a look. And if there's something meaningful you can add there, please do. Carlos Richter writes, uh, he has the largest network of disposable diapers. We can use his network. It's at his disposal. I don't know if that was a pun, um, but I'm not making the connection immediately, but I'm sure there's one that's obvious to someone on the phone. But thank you, Carlos. Um, let's see. I try to connect. He's, oh, this is still Carlos. I try to connect non-woven manufacturers with mass manufacturers all over the world so they do not have to stop, so they can run 24-7. And he has 13,000 followers, all of them working for the personal absorbent care industry. So, Carlos, um, go ahead and uh, put... Uh, your LinkedIn profile um, in the comments to me, and I will share that with um, with the folks. Um, Max asks, and I'm not sure if we on the phone can answer, maybe Daniel, is it appropriate to discuss zinc for mitigation of the virus? Doctor? Uh, I think... One of the big takeaways is we're still learning about this is a novel coronavirus. It's not just classic fever and cough. Some people have fever and only diarrhea. It seems like uh, GI elements might be important. Um, zinc may have some protective qualities, apparently in lozenges and keeping your, moist, uh, your throat moist uh, and may prevent or help ameliorate uh, infections. Probably not as a treatment element. I've, I've already seen there's a lot of misinformation including from our president about chloroquine and other elements that are not yet proven, very, very small trials so far. We're seeing a lot of clinical trial activity. I'd be very wary about yet glomming onto any one uh, element. There's no magic bullet, but a lot of activity. So um, be careful of misinformation. And, and you've already heard a case yesterday of some, a couple taking uh, chloroquine from their uh, fish food uh, mix and dying. So. Um, Again, a lot of activity in the space, um, a lot of drug hoarding. Unfortunately, folks who need chloroquine for autoimmune conditions are no longer able to get them. Zinc, I do not know. I think it couldn't hurt to have a zinc lozenge. Mark writes that zinc may have some protective qualities, but he also wrote, hell no. Um, so um, I'm not sure how to interpret what you just wrote, Max. Um, 
Uh, I have from Catherine. She writes, Eric Sugalski, I do not know, but you're welcome to share the link. Had a post on LinkedIn for creating face masks out of vacuum bags because of their micron filtration level. Okay. Um, Joe, for those, okay. Marissa uh, adds, for those unable to find the chat box, which disappeared for me once the website came up, click on the red arrow at the top to view the chat box. And also in the bottom of your screen, there's a toolbar that may look like a blue snowflake. You might click on that. Uh, okay. Uh, or just, uh, let's see. Nick writes, I'd like to explore the possibility of refurbing or servicing some stranded vents. The intent would be to get them back in use. If anyone has a warehouse full, please let me know. I've got a CM background and may be able to leverage a 1345 approved facility. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I would say for my convenience folks, um, if you can go ahead and share your LinkedIn profile link when you leave these comments so I can easily share them with folks who can take advantage of your offer. David Snyder is in Silicon Valley working with public-private partnership, including FEMA and Department of Defense. Has several projects going on around N95 mass production, pandemic ventilator production, room and parts disinfection sterilization, and COVID-19 testing booths. Um, a lot of stuff there. I'm not sure how to synthesize it all. David, you're welcome to share your LinkedIn profile with us. Here is an open source face shield that can be made with McMaster car parts and a stapler offers Kent. Okay, I don't really, I'll just share this. I don't know what to make of it, but there you go, folks. Uh, uh, let's see. What's the point of using cloth, Mark asked, I guess because of the example that I gave for Jennifer, uh, Jess, which they now have shipments, but yesterday they were looking at making some. Is there any benefit considering the size of a virus molecule? Doctor, your thoughts? Can cloth help? Better than nothing? I don't know. Not sure if you're talking to me. I think there's a lot of creativity around some elements. I think cloth alone, there have already been some studies showing that regular cloth virus can relatively get through. There may be some creative things using vacuum bags, et cetera. Um, I think we need to validate those. Uh, but the current CDC guidelines have been relaxed so much that it may be endangering folks who are thinking cloth, particularly if they're medical workers, will protect them. In many cases, it won't. DPAC apps adds, will masks without N95 be acceptable? Raw materials are in short supply, so if alternate non-wovens are used, it will not have N95 as one would like to have to get certified. Please share the link for COVID-19 XPRIZE, I think we have. Um, let's see. Joe, any ideas or capabilities on these? We need to be able to process way more test kits. We need to be able to expedite results, currently taking nine plus days for results, asks Susan Pignataro. I don't know if any of you are I just can't put everyone who's an expert on at the same time, but there'll be another call this time next week. And um, I encourage folks to offer themselves as panelists who have something that I can share as, as broadly as, as we can. Um, Caitlin asks, why are we talking about having these other industries develop ventilators? This is a complicated device. They could leverage their supply chain and essentially function as contract manufacturers for the existing designs. I, 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 I am confused by that. It is a complicated device. They could leverage their supply chain and function as contract manufacturers. I think that's what they're trying to do. I have a friend at GM. And Mary Barra just made a big announcement about how they're working with a company. It begins with a V. I don't remember which one it is. Um, Joe, in Israel, we're testing a solution that uses ventilation devices from an ambulance. And here is the link. 
you haven't shared the X price link that I can see. Uh, oh, I see. Danielle, you have been okay. You have responded to me personally, uh, not to everyone. So I will go ahead and move over to everyone. There. Just a quick comment on that. I um, um, that's a really great point. Um, there are several different kinds of tiers of uh, ventilation strategies, um, and there are several out there that um, are designed to transport patients from one location to another while they're intubated. Um, so they're not exactly designed to care for patients in the ICU in a long, long period over long, long term. So um, uh, figuring out how to tweak those devices, make them safe over long periods of time is something that we need to explore as well. So I think, you know, again, I'll, I'll put it out there. People who, especially who know the engineering staff at GE, Medtronic, Philips, but also the devices that, um, that like, uh, uh, there, are, there are several of these. Um, Allied Medical, ResMed is a great example. Um, the Trilogy machines, um, if any of you have uh, contacts with those kinds of engineering resources, we can put them in touch with clinicians just to make sure that this is done safely and we can publish this. Okay, and uh, my apologies, Daniel points out that I and I alone have the superpower to send a message out to everyone, and that is because I am great. And that is a joke for my children, should they choose to watch this for 68 minutes, which is not going to happen. Okay, we've been on for 68 minutes. There's more here than I could reasonably share. Um, hey, I'll just say, this don't pay well but I can't think of a better use of my time right now. So um, folks hit me up and I'm trying to be as creative as I can. Yes, I need help. If any of you wanna say, Joe, I volunteer to help in any way that I can, I accept. Um, let's see what else I can maybe add here before we all hang up. And thank you all for all these comments. It's just so much. Uh, I have contacts at Risperonics for Mark. And this is Alan Connor, my friend, over at Cadence. So that's Alan. Um, Michelle asks, my friend Michelle Lott asks, what is the good doctor's thoughts on the impact of false positives and false negatives on the pandemic? I have a friend who is getting tested twice because the doctors don't trust the test. I'll let Mark answer as well. Like, I mean, bottom line, there's still many different tests out there. Some have different specificities and sensitivities. Um, right now, it's just an issue of access at all. I, I wouldn't imagine the people getting testing I, who often aren't symptomatic and shouldn't be forcing the system. Um, another important testing element, just to be aware of, is that the current test tests for PCR for the actual virus. But one thing that's going to be important to understand are folks who may have recovered maybe we're quite asymptomatic and looking at their immunoglobulin levels to see uh, immunologically whether they may even have resistance and can go back to work or become the front lines of the healthcare system. So it's not just testing for the acute disease, but folks who may have recovered. We don't yet know how long uh, immunity may last. We'll give you lifelong immunity. May there be mutations. May you need, uh, uh, maybe we need a vaccine every year. Lots of uncertainty here um, and many different test platforms. I'll add that yeah. my own... Um, Thought is, excuse me, just a second, Mark. Um, but you know, I'm the one who gets to just talk whenever he wants. Forgive me, I talked over you. Um, go ahead, and I'll, I'll stifle myself. Go ahead. No, I was just going to underscore uh, the point. Um, you know, we we already have several endemic coronaviruses, but uh, we don't have long-term immunity to those those viruses. So, if you know, it's sort of a, a moving target at this point. Um, with respect to that particular question. Um, there's there's a, several different platforms um, being used at the moment for um, for testing uh, for PCR testing um, with uh, differences in in their their specificity and sensitivity. So the the take home message message is that it's really about your symptoms. If you are highly likely to have uh, COVID, like you have the symptoms, then you need to get tested. If you can, if you don't, then uh, stay home. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, it's also fluid. There are no perfect answers. I, for myself, am somewhat. I, please don't interpret this as Joe is against tests. Joe is not against tests, but I think to myself that this is like an ECG versus a cardiac stress test or a Holter monitor. Yes, I can go in right now and get a test. And on my way home, I can get it. So what have I learned? I mean, yes, in that point in time, I don't have it, but so does that mean, oh, I can go out in public? No, it does not. I, so I get the importance, you know, if we find out, yes, you do, now go to this isolation unit, great. But for all of the falses, I'm afraid that the public's takeaway is, I'm going out. Um, so uh, I just copy-pasted a comment that was quite long and perhaps helpful from John Labarge. I know people at Ethicon, J&J, that use positive pressure systems to inflate the abdomen using laparoscopic surgery. These symptoms, pardon me, systems may be utilized to pump oxygen-rich air to the lungs if necessary. This would be considered off-label use of a medical device as it was not developed to be used as a ventilator. Considering the state of emergency, FDA may allow a waiver as long as risks are considered and mitigated. Well, that's a pretty big caveat there at the end, but okay. Um, let's see. I have a contact with PPE who has been calling hospitals in multiple states for the past weeks, but nobody is placing orders. Prices are going up. Any help to get in touch with buyers would be appreciated. So let me ask really anyone on the phone, all, all, of, all of my panelists can, can give me their perspective on this. And, and let me personalize it. Joe Hage will get six to 10 invitations today from people he does not know saying, I have masks. What should I do? Should I just publish it somewhere and say, hey, everybody, these strangers said they have masks. I can't vouch for them. I don't know what, or I don't even know what the right price for, what the pre-pandemic price for a mask is. I don't know. So when you tell me they're $5 a piece, I'm like, is that a fortune or, you know, I, so how do I, how does all, how does everyone on this line, we still have 150 people on the call. How do we synthesize all this information? I know if someone has to take charge, I'll happily do it if somebody helps, but, I can't validate whether the guy who just emailed me from China is the guy to go with. How would I even do that? Joe, it's very hard to know. Um, and you have to be careful of the people that are, that are trying to be opportunistic uh, in this uh, time. You know, even our normal supplier who is charging, let's say, $5 a box, um, and as soon as the pandemic hit, it was $6 a box. You send in the purchase order, oh, no, you got it wrong. Now it's $10 a box. Now it's $20 a box, I, you know, how do you operate in an environment like that? And, uh, you know, thankfully this was not a big part of our business because we, we sort of said we can't validate, um, and that's an important part of our business, making sure that the supply chain is, um, it, it's, is secure and that the people we're dealing with are trustworthy. How do I know that the money that I send to whomever is actually, I'm going to get product for it, or they're just going to disappear into the ether? Um, the, uh, the White House has announced uh, efforts to obtain masks and, and distribute. You know, we're talking about DIY solutions now, uh, but the fastest way to get them in people's hands, right now China is a huge producer. Uh, I'm afraid, though, the, the, the rhetoric um, about, you know, what, calling it the China virus, um, is uh, is not helping those efforts, and yeah. you know, we're going to completely stay apolitical in this conversation for the sanctity and uh, sanity of everyone on the call. Sure. Um, just to add that uh, the Chinese have prioritized sending them to Iran, South Korea, Japan, and and Italy, um, and it's hampering our efforts to get them into people's hands that need them. I was just informed that pre-pandemic price retail is fifty cents a mask. Uh, if anyone needs to know that, and anyone who needs them probably knew that already. Laparoscopic uh, um, insufflation devices are a bad idea for ventilation devices, offers Mark. Uh, perhaps you could just connect people in need with those who offer masks and bow out politely, adds Gregory. 
that my friend Eddie says, testing and periodic retesting needs to be combined with behavior change, increased hand washing, which is what's needed to serve, stop the spread. Uh, okay. Um, I'm getting... I can't help my... Go ahead. Oh, I, uh, not, to, not to interrupt, but uh, I can't help myself with a little bit additional late-breaking news. Cuomo just, this is quote, he said New York is scouring the globe for ventilators and has resorted to trying experimental procedures where they split the ventilators between two patients because we, quote, have no alternative, end quote, needs another 30,000 ventilators. And de Blasio said that by the end of the week or sooner, they'd be completely out of PPE for the entire city of New York. Daniel, did you raise your hand? Yeah. No. Sorry, I thought you raised your hand. Uh, I'm not sure what a Swiss lathe is or how to use it, but I have just let everyone know that Carl Mail has 200 of them northwest of Chicago. You can run 24-6 and can be 24-7. Somebody smarter than me knows what a lathe is and how that can help. Um, Mike asks, I came across suppliers of N95 masks that simply have a CE mark. Are U.S. facilities accepting only 510K approved with FDA approval at the moment? Michelle, you might know, and you're welcome to type in your answer. Uh, here is a paper from Peter that is talking about do-it-yourself masks. I cannot tell you much about it. Caitlin, Caitlin Morse writes, FDA has approved use of N95 masks by OSHA and others. Uh, she wrote, et cetera. I don't know if that extends to CE. Um, William wants to know if they are using bronchodilators dash MDI above my pay grade. Daniel, you probably know what that is. A bronchodilator. Sorry, what's... Yes. Uh -huh. but what yeah, is a lot of folks who have asthma and case? other conditions need to have their inhalers uh, available. And if they do get COVID or other conditions, need everybody should be mindful about having a couple months of their standard prescriptions uh, available. I think some of the insurance companies are now lengthening the uh, number you can have. Uh, you don't want to go, if you have asthma or other conditions, you don't want to be running out of inhalers. Okay. Um, my friend Sanjeev, and now Sanjeev, I'm going to share this, um, and I'd like you to type to me quickly, how well do you know him? How well do you trust them? Can you vouch for them? Um, his friend in Hong Kong has masks. Please share. And I did now in the comments. Joe, can I make a comment? Yes, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Split screen here, please. Yeah. Uh, so for all of the people who are saying that they either have supplies of masks, have capacity to manufacture masks, know somebody who does, or have access to, uh, have knowledge about suppliers in China who have mask uh, or PPE manufacturing capacity that they are willing to, and they're willing to sell product to the United States, I would encourage them to actually go to Project N95 and enter that information because behind the scenes there is some vetting of suppliers that's happening. They're also vetting requests as well. Um, so they're doing a little bit of work behind the scenes, behind those forms. That way, um, you know, us as individuals or, or even people with slight expertise are not placed in the position of having to decide whether a supplier is a, a legit one or not. So I would send it to the clearinghouse and let them handle it uh, because if, you know, somebody somebody comes in and says, you know, we, we we make masks and we've been making masks for these hospitals, they'll be able to provide um, proof of that, uh, or they're approved for import to the states. They'll they'll be able to provide proof of that. Um, but we shouldn't. We should just let the hopper be as big as possible, uh, flood the clearinghouses, and then let the clearinghouses figure out who's a legit seller or not. Okay. And just for my sanity, as serious as this is. Let a little regular joke slip in. Where are you from that you say mosques? 
<laughs> I'm originally from Malaysia. Okay. Well, thank you for being here. Um, just had to ask. Uh, a question for Scott and Daniel. Which materials are sufficient to filter the virus for PPE? I know. These aren't easy questions, or there'd be a paper about it somewhere that everyone could read the answer. I'm not an expert, uh, but certainly mm -hmm. the uh, materials that uh, have very small holes that allow you to breathe but don't allow the virus through. Uh, they say that the regular surgical masks maybe are not effective for the general population, but they do help the spreaders. Uh, so if you're coughing and sneezing, that's going to be caught by the mask and not spread as easily in the wider world. Okay. Uh, here's a link, as I knew she'd come through, from Michelle from FDA about respirators and masks. What are your thoughts on the use of face shields without masks for those interacting with the public but not doing procedures? So I guess essentially goggles. Anyone thoughts? Not everyone has to have an answer. These are just, I'm just reading them out. Oh, okay. Sorry, Caitlin, not goggles. Face shields. I've never worn one, so. I think it'd be a little hard to hard to speculate. Uh, you know, face shields are usually used to prevent uh, things from splashing up and things uh, um, during surgical procedure procedures, things like that. Um, I think you know. Um, the the guidance from our, our gov government, while it's been a little tenuous, some of it's really good, uh, uh, which is like you have to wash your hands. If you go outdoors, um, um, be careful. Stay six feet away from folks. Um, several of the provider networks that I know are now saying um, everyone has to wear a mask, and that's typically um, uh, an N95 mask, which uh, is rated down to, you know, 0.3 microns, but is shown to be pr protected, protective. Um, I, I just say that those are the kinds of things that, um, you know, uh, we should be in the habit of practicing because this is going to take a long time. I'd also just say, let's, let's keep focused. Let's focus on the things that we can do. Um, be safe out there, one. Two, if, if you're getting uh, in, um, input about uh, where you can get uh, PPE or where PPE is needed, direct them to um, uh, the, the website that uh, Celine is mentioning, uh, Project N95, is that right? Yeah. And, um, and, and finally, you know, um, if, if, you, uh, if you know of engineering resources at these, these major um, sites, uh, Medtronic, um, GE, um, Traeger, uh, Phillips, um, send them our way so we can we can give people advice. We'll have a clearinghouse shortly. I will, uh, my email is um, is uh, on the box there. I'm happy to to field any. In, it's early enough that uh, we can we can start building this um, uh, quickly, but we have to do it quick. I'm giving you homework right after this call, Alan Connor, and you need to talk. He can put you in touch with okay. Respironics. He's already working with them to provide uh, a facility and staff for assembly. Perfect. That's, that's this little process working, so thank you, Alan. Marsha Flores works for a division of Hearst Health. She has a database of 2.5 million devices which is a list of manufacturers and all the details of a medical device. She's preparing a list of all mentioned COVID-19 devices and manufacturers to share with the provider community. Please let me know if this will help any of you. And Marsha, I will say with this many people on the phone, I'm sure it will help someone. And if it's appropriate for me to make that a resource available free for people, I will gladly distribute it. Um, I think we're, we should probably wrap. We're, we're coming up on 90 minutes, and I, I apologize for folks who wrote things here that I didn't get to. Um, actually, I'll take an extra minute, and if there's a question on here that I really should read to everybody, 
copy and paste it to me again at the bottom because this is just too much for for trying to wade through. I'm just going to copy and paste some things I haven't really had a chance to read. Uh, this is from Antonio Bartolozzi, an article. Uh, okay, David, I know a sterilization expert. Uh, you will want to talk with Jeff Sauter. I'm typing out his name. And uh, he's with, uh, I think the name of the company is Steritech. Uh, he's a member of uh, Premium. Uh, anyone on the call who wants to join, I just put a link for MDG Premium. Um, this is not a sales pitch. But um, this is my network, uh, my nearest network of folks. Um, and uh, here's what that looks like. Uh, let me move this over here. It lets me uh, lets me talk to and this is the one everybody um, at one. It's like a chat box for me. So um, here's Jeff. He's my sterilization guy. Uh, Jan, Michelle, Rob Packard, Nick Anderson. These are my go-to people for lots of things. I lower the price all the way to $19 a month, which is like basically my cost, uh, because I think now more than ever, we need community. Uh, these kinds of conversations that we're having now, I have weekly uh, with anyone who joins, chooses to join the weekly call. And yes, we're in crisis mode right now, but when things were calmer, we could just have a conversation about, you know, ISO. 1345 and what we need to know about it or whatever. Now everything is at a fever pitch. Um, but um, basically if I'm online, this is up and uh, it will get to me faster than any email, any LinkedIn, any Twitter, anything. Uh, so uh, I don't know how much I can handle in terms of how many people I can reasonably support as one human. Uh, but I'm willing to um, to to uh, to work with that as, as best you can. So I share the link. You're welcome to join. Um, why don't we just uh, Why don't we just end there on my self-serving commercial? I think that would be best for everyone. Wouldn't you agree? Thank you, panelists, and thank you to the 200 plus people who saw me write something yesterday and jump on a call. I am very grateful for your trust. And uh, I realize as I wrote yesterday, ugh, this is just me off script. I'm off the teleprompter, but I, I uh, fell into the medical devices group nine years ago when its founder died. I never planned to be a publisher, editor, community leader type person. And maybe this is everything happens for a reason. And maybe that's why we have this call today. And maybe one life will be saved because we jumped on this call today. So before I get weepy, let's just call this done for today. I'm very available for you. And, uh, my very deep gratitude for everyone on this call. See you soon. Thank you, Jeff.